challenging men to be great men. Don't just be a male, be a man, a great man. Welcome to the Great Man Podcast with your host, New York Times bestselling author and leader of men, Stephen Mansfield. Gentlemen, let us begin. Grateful you're with me. I want to talk to you about men and race. Let me tell you what I've probably told you before, a little bit about my background. I grew up the son of a U.S. Army officer, and that shaped very much my approach to race. The reason is that some of my earliest memories are of my father working under a black general. Uh, My earliest memories are of having black friends. My earliest memories are of my father um, having men at, at his same rank who were his friends, who were his golfing buddies, who my mom and dad had over for drinks, who were Asian, who were African-American, uh, who were Hispanic. The American military was, has been a great leveler socially. Um, and so my father, who's just a you know, lower middle class, middle class um, American kid from Albany, Georgia, uh, went into the American military and it just it just create, put us in a world of if not a hundred percent racial equality. I can't swear about that. I wasn't I wasn't in perspective when I was five years old uh, to know the whole lay of the land. Um, but I can say that for my experience, it was uh, amazingly equal, and to my knowledge, it was just. Um, I'll say the thing you're not supposed to say. In my growing up years, my best friends were black. Again. Uh, it was just because Colonel Phillips had a son who was 14 years old, who's my age, and Colonel Phillips lived across the street. And uh, so Colonel Mansfield's son played with Colonel Phillips' son, was on the same basketball team, and, and we were best buddies. We're still in contact to this day all these years later. Um, that's the nature of what my experience was in the military. Now, in the middle of that was an interesting experience because, as I say, my father uh, grew up in Albany, Georgia. And even though he went to the military academy and then went on to be an officer and lived in the world I've just described uh, and, and did not have a racist bone anywhere that I could find ever, uh, we would go back and visit his parents. And his parents were thoroughgoing racists. They hated the blacks of Albany, Georgia. They locked them out of their Methodist church. My grandfather spoke of blacks as wild horses and would complain to us all the time. And it got so bad that my father finally had to say to his parents, if you're going to continue to talk this way, continue to use the N-word, continue to cross these lines, we will not come back. I'll come back. I'll visit you alone. I will not bring the family. Um, And the reason was that he knew that there was this tension between our regular throughout the year culture and life. Um, and then what we heard from our grandparents. And we loved our grandparents as grandparents, but there's just no question at all. They were thoroughgoing Southern racists. And I've told you on this podcast before that further back, I had members in my family, whom I never do. This is long before I came along, um, who were members of the Klan. So you have this you have this racist history in my family. And then you have my father who broke from it and uh, lived in the full glory of the American military and the racial uh, equality that it that he wanted and that also was, quote unquote, forced upon us. In other words, that's just the way life was. So I'm, I, I think about these themes of race and manhood. And I want to challenge you listening because uh, you're good men. You want to be good men. You want to be righteous men. You want to be noble men. I want to tell you one of the things that I saw, that as much as I love the American South, as much as I love its culture, as much as I have families down there, the racism that we would visit every year became a cancer on a Southern manhood. 
It became a thing that made them small and bitter and resentful and blaming. And I believe that racism, where you, you look at a person of a different skin color and you despise them, uh, that then in time you blame them. If they rise above you in some way, which has definitely happened in the South to a large extent with, with blacks in the South, um, you resent them, you hate them, you think they're taking something from you. You, you, you treat them badly because somehow they're in competition with you. I, I got to tell you that that kind of racism was a cancer on American uh, Southern manhood. Again, I speak as a loyal son of the South who loves the South. I don't mean that in a world civil war sense. Uh, I simply mean it in, term, in regionally. I just I live in Nashville now, which is largely in the South. I live in D.C., which is largely in the South. It's in the state of Virginia, which is a Southern state. So I pretty much live in the South. Um, but what I'm saying is that racism is wrong. It's just plain morally wrong. Um, because it's the hatred of another man. It's not what God made us to be. It's not what we're designed to be. We are meant to live in racial harmony. We're li- meant to live in ethnic harmony. Um, and if you're a Christian, it's just it's just absolutely on every page of Scripture. There's no there's no slavery. There's no hatred of a man sanctioned or even mentioned in Scripture based on his skin color uh, at all. What slavery did exist in the in the old covenant. Uh, and extended again into the, into Roman era was largely about military conquest and economic slavery, a whole different cast of things. So nobody can do as my ancestors did and justify hating a black man based on scripture. It's just ridiculous. We serve a God who chooses to enthrone himself in heaven. So the book of Revelation tells us uh, amidst the tribes and the tongues and the ethnicities and the people groups um, uh, of all the earth. So number one, Uh, it's immoral. But number two, because it's immoral and because it involves hatred and because hatred taints and poisons the soul, what grieved me was what I saw happening amongst the young men that I knew in the South as I would go and visit and see family members and, and later on have friends from the South that I would meet, for example, at university and so on. Um, there's no question it was a cancer in the soul. There's no question it diminished them. There's no question uh, it made them blaming and excusing of their own faults. It's no question uh, that it made them justify their own lack of initiative, their own lack of willingness to rise. And of course, it created an absolutely tortured society, an absolutely tortured society. And I don't have to tell you the history, which is that, you know, the Blacks in America didn't didn't get here because they decided to come and invade our society or something like that. They were brought here as slaves, and they've been f- freed for a hundred and something years, hundred fifty years. And my point in all this is uh, that we need desperately to be part of the change that is uh, essential, that is mandated, that is God required. So I want to speak to you bluntly, you men who are listening to this podcast, and I want to challenge you regarding racism. For some of you, you you realize you've got racist attitudes in your heart. You got it from your father. You got it from your culture. You got it when your sister was molested by a, a black guy, and now you hate them all, and you just you realize it. Okay, we're going to talk about that in a minute. For others of you guys, you've been on the sidelines of the whole thing. You live in the white enclave of someplace in who knows, upper Minnesota, and you don't you, you barely know a black person, so you feel on the sidelines of all of it. And for others of you, a bit more like me, you're right in the middle of it. You know, you know my life and my history, what I do. I write about black people. I help pastor a black church. I you know, have African-Americans in my family. I've said this so many times, you're tired of hearing it. So uh, be aware, of course, that I consider myself on the activist side of all this. 
But what we all must do is confront whatever racism is in our heart. And I'm not one of those who says, goes around saying, well, we're all, all white people are white supremacists that are bigots. I don't believe that. I'm not. And I, I eschew that. I'm even in a little tension with one of my pastors, um, not, not my African-American pastor in D.C., but with another pastor, um, because he says we all have to deal with our, with our racial bigotry. Well, I'm not sure I have any. I have other kinds of bigotry. There are certain kinds of people I have a hard time with, but it has nothing to do with skin color or ethnicity or nationality. So I, I want to challenge you to look honestly at this. And if you're a Christian, recognize that this is a sin that hating anybody is a sin according to Scripture. Hating them for a God-given feature is particularly heinous, and that we need to expunge this in our lives. But the thing I most want to challenge you men about in this little talk is that I want you to be change agents. I want you to, to, to make sure that you are cutting off the sewage of racism that pours down through our family lines. Many of us have a situation where we have relatives or, or parents and well, we live out different values. When we go sit at that dinner table, there they are using the N-word. There they are talking bad about people that we have taught our kids to love. Kids, in fact, they may go to people they may go to church with or go to school with. We have to be not bombastic and harsh, but we have to be radical change agents. You cannot laugh at racist jokes. You cannot simply put up with that racist friend who wants to go around talking like a racist and call you a buddy. You cannot compromise in that way. And it's not just because there are riots, and I'm, I'm going to say it kindly but firmly, it's not just because George Floyd died. I mean, he was killed un, in a wicked way and in a way that is illegal and inappropriate, and look what it's produced. But I'm not just saying it for that reason. I'm saying it because I'm a Christian. I'm talking to men who are largely Christians. Even those of you who aren't Christians, you know I speak to you as a loving Christian who welcomes you. And I want to say that racism is a cancer in our souls. It's a cancer on the next generation. It's a cancer in our society. And it is, hear me, a cancer to noble manhood. Every podcast, I talk about being a great man. Every podcast, I talk about righteous, noble manhood. You listen to this podcast because you believe those same things. And if you are trying to embrace the vision of noble manhood that I and others are talking about in a noble man movement, and yet you are giving to racism, you are just drinking in poisons that will work against the manhood you're trying to perfect in your life, the noble vision of manhood that we're holding aloft. So I'm not accusing, I'm not assuming that all of you are just raging racists, but we are now at a time when I believe that God and society and just the sheer press of evil is forcing some issues to the fore. And you guys all know, I don't have to give all the caveats. You know I'm not with the looters. You know I'm not with Antifa. You know I'm not with the violent rioters. I am, however, with the protesters, especially the African-American ones, who say, please stop illegally shooting people who look like me. Please stop allowing people who look like me to be killed in police custody. I think that's a noble thing to say. I think it's a righteous thing to say. I'm a Christian whose faith is drawn from the Old Testament prophets who talk about justice, who talk about standing up for the oppressed, who talk about seeing justice roll down like rivers. And I think that we have to make our voices known. So what I can do in this podcast is say to you, I'm proud of you wanting to be a good and a noble man. But I want you to confront in your own soul if there is any racism, and I'm not assuming there's not, uh, that there is, because I've said very clearly, I don't believe there is in mine. And I hope, I hope that's not offensive to you, but I, I just am absolutely convinced of that and, and, and tend, tend to back people off who want to talk to every guy who looks white like I do uh, and assume that he's a bigot. I'm not, not at all. 
I want you to deal with it in your own soul. I want you to deal with it in your culture around you, family, kids, friends, buddies. Your kids know what's going on. If you tell them to like everybody and then you've got a guy telling, you know, inappropriate jokes or talking about a race as though they're evil and dark and stupid, uh, morally dark, of course, is what I'm talking about, then your kids know the hypocrisy. Finally, I want you to be change agents. I want you to speak out at work. I, I want you to reach across racial lines and build friendships. I want you to consider going to a church, if you don't already, where that, that's, that's working towards racial reconciliation. I want you to try to heal our society because it's what good men do. And then I want you to remember this. I watched whole pockets of Southern manhood decline in the South in all my visits there and then later in my adult years. And I'm not saying it was just because of racial bigotry, but I watched racial racial bigotry work into the souls of Southern men I knew and loved as though you had poured acid on them. And they ended up being small, in some cases criminal, uh, in many cases blaming and bitter and, and far beneath what I knew they could be, far beneath what their God had made them to be. So watch the toxin of bigotry and racism, if for no other reason than because it is diminishing you, killing you, making you small, talking you out of everything God has made you for. But the main reason I want you to hate racism and battle it in your own life and culture is that it is uh, an absolute immorality. It is a sin it is contrary to the will of God. It is certainly contrary to the warp and woof of noble manhood. So battle racism with me, with all those who are out there doing it. Battle it in your generations because this is what great men do. To join the Great Man community or to book Stephen to speak at your men's event, go to greatman.tv. You'll learn about Stephen Mansfield's two essential books for men. Mansfield's book of manly men and building your band of brothers, as well as some other great resources for helping you become the great man you are made to be. The Great Man Podcast is a Mansfield Group production.